Turn with me, please, to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 25. I have a a different type of message this morning, I think. Um, 1 Samuel 25, I trust the Lord helping me. I'll be able to... um, The Lord will minister, but through his word we'll be able to bring something and the Lord will minister to your hearts this morning. We're just going to read 1 Samuel chapter 25 and just the one verse, but keep your Bible open. First verse. And Samuel died. And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Let us pray. Father, We thank you this morning for every remembrance we have had of your son as we have bowed our heads and opened our hearts and lifted our eyes to heaven. We thank you, Lord, as we have partaken of these emblems this morning and sighing around this table. We thank you, Lord, you've been here in our midst. And, Lord, we thank you you're here again for your word. We pray, Father, that you would take your word. May your spirit wing it to every heart, to every mind. And, Lord, as our faces differ, so do our needs. And we pray this morning, Lord, that some would be built up in the faith, challenged in the way, maybe convicted in their hearts. And, Lord, even if there's one who's come this morning who's not yet Come the saving faith and knowledge of your Son, we pray even this morning, that they would come to Calvary, drawn by your Holy Spirit, that he would bring them to the Lamb of God. So help me this morning, Lord. Bless those who are away. Bless those who are on holiday. Bless those who are ill this morning. Strengthen them and help them. Heal them and encourage them. And those who are watching live or later, Lord, we pray your blessing on them also. But for us who are here, would you move upon us and speak to each and every heart this morning to the glory of thy name. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen. Amen. This morning we want to look at the subject of the death of a judge and the rising of a king. The death of a judge and the rising of a king. Samuel, the prophet in Israel, has died. 1 Samuel 25, verse 1, first line. And Samuel died. The prophet of Israel, when we think of a prophet in Israel, we might think of Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel, or one of those prophets, but Believe it or not, Samuel was one of the most important prophets that Israel had. And he was a judge in Israel. This is the time of the judges, and Samuel is the last of the judges in the Bible. And it says, and Samuel died. Samuel was the voice of God to Israel, the prophet of God in Israel. And Samuel was the stay from God of Israel. 
Samuel, whose name means asked of God or heard of God, his name is due to his mother Hannah's prayer when she was in the temple and over Eli thought she was drunk, but she was praying unto the Lord for the child. This same one who was given to Hannah, who was promised to be given to God and was Samuel has died. Samuel was not just a prophet or a judge. He was a respected leader in Israel. And in fact, he was feared among the enemies of Israel. Long gone are the days now when the preacher, the Christian leader, has such clout as someone like Samuel as they would have preached to the nation from the pulpit. Long gone are those days when God had raised up men who would have thundered out the word of God. Long gone are those days when they would have preached to the nation, to the government, or to the church, to the individual, and the voice of God was heard. Even John Knox in Scotland at the Reformation time, John Knox, it was said of him, that Mary, Queen of Scots, says she feared even just the prayers of John Knox more than the combined armies of Europe. Think about that, church, this morning. Sometimes we feel that we pray and we don't believe. We pray and we, we just say it for the manner of saying because it becomes ritualistic and really that we really don't believe in our hearts that uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And, and there's strongholds that need pulled down in this year of 2023. Strongholds in society, strongholds over people, strongholds over our children. But the people tend to, and I have to admit our prayer meetings are well attended, so this is not a condemnation, but there are people who tend to neglect the prayer meeting because it's just a meeting during the week when really it is the engine house, it's the fire room to drive the work of God on. I would ask you that you would pray every day for this mission. I would ask you that you would pray every day for all who will take part, whether it's a shaking of the hand at the door or singing on the platform to the preaching of the word. Will you pray and believe God that he will do things through the mission. Samuel was a judge over Israel. Will you look with me and keep your, your, your hand there or your finger in 1 Samuel 25, but will you flick back in the book of 1 Samuel, right back to chapter 7, please. Chapter 7. Notice how Samuel is, if you want, the one who is the in-between that is in between God and men, God and Israel. And notice, if you will, in verse 3, Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your heart. Notice, he didn't say come half-baked. He didn't say if you come half-hearted. He didn't say if you return to the Lord for a week or two to make things look better and make you feel better. Many of us pray 
and seek the face of God in times of despair and great need. How many of us actually seek the face of God and ask for the prayers of others and cry unto the Lord, and Lord, if you do, I will seek your face again. I will draw near to you and close to you again. And after things seem to be healed or patched up or going better, well, we have been out even to our meetings for a week or two, or three or four. But after that, we tend to say, well, that's enough, it'll do me for now. We don't enter into the prayer closet the way we were when we were in the valley. Now we're on the mountain, we need God less because we're not in the despair of the gloomy valley. Brothers and sisters, we should be seeking the face of God and in prayer and supplication, reading off the word, gathering together, even the more when we're on the mountaintop than we are in the valley, because we should be given thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Brother, sister, a word, if I can. Because some valleys are behind you, And because you have traversed the latest, do not forget the Lord. Because you have risen up the mountain. When Israel were going into the promised land, the Lord says, when you go in, you'll take over what you didn't plant. And you're going to eat of the fruit of the ground. You're going to do this and you're going to do that. And the Lord said, and when you do, don't forget me. Do not forget me. And therein lies the problem. We tend tend to, as human beings, to forget the Lord who has delivered us and brought us out and through. Remember, some people are in the valley this morning. Strengthen their hand. Some people are going through a valley this morning. Help traverse it with them and some people have come out of the valley then rejoice with them that do rejoice and there are some people here are about to go into the valley you need to fortify yourself in the things of God but do not forget the Lord when you arrive to your destination when things have went well with you And hence, Samuel says, if you do return unto the Lord with all your heart, return with all of your heart, not a portion, not a part, not half-baked, not half-hearted, with all of your heart. If you do return unto the Lord with all of your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord. Notice, and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Here he's saying, if you come with all of your heart and return, and if you come and take everything out of your life that you have held dear and put before God, that's your idol. That's your idol. If you do that, the Lord says, if you serve me only, that is not self nor others, He says, I will deliver you. 
I will deliver you. Just for time's sake, if you'll look on down chapter 7, please. And if you will look, it says in verse 12, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpeh and Shen, and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Notice, the Philistines did not come into the coasts of Israel. They didn't even come near it. For how long? For all the days of Samuel. Because there was a man, a prophet of God, who believed God, who took God at his word, who stood up for God and walked with God. I wonder what we could do this morning in Christ Encounters Tabernacle if each and every one of us decided this morning who are here. I wonder what could be done through us if we decided with all of our hearts, with all that we are and all that we have, I will have something else to do. I'll do it later. I've something else to do during the week. I've something else to do and somewhere else to be. What if we said, it doesn't matter what it costs me, Lord, I will serve you. I will return unto you from being cold and indifferent and wayward. And lackadaisical in the place with you, Lord. I will return with all of my heart. Wonder what we could do or what God could do in us and through us if we all did that this morning. I believe we could turn Ulster around. I believe our nation would hear of it that Jesus is in the house and that our people will return back. I believe Ireland, north and south, and east and west, the United Kingdom would be completely turned around. For as uh, John Knox once said, one with God is in the majority. I wonder what, what is there a couple of hundred to 250 here at the moment, maybe more, I don't know. I wonder what would happen if each and every one of us grasped hold of what God is saying this morning. What would happen in Guilford, in Portadown, in Craigavon, in Lurgan, in Tondragee, in Banbridge, Belfast? I wonder what would happen across our province and across this island if we, with all of our hearts, turned to him. Remove the stuff, brother, will you? Come on, think about it, sister. Remove it. Remove yourself. You move out and let him move in. Remove it. Remove whatever it is that's holding you back. It doesn't matter. You might say, well, I, I really can't because I have to do this. No, we're missing the point. We're missing the point. It's Christ. It's his glory. It's his honor. And if we want something done, not only in our lives, not only if we want them to move in CET, when we worship, we're afraid sometimes, what will someone think if I express myself? Remove it all. 
Remove everything about it. Remove uh, that which you have planned to say, I can't because I've decided I'm going to go out and do whatever. I'm, maybe of some, I'm going to go to a theatre. I'm going to go to the movies. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Brothers and sisters, it's time to remove it all. Because God's trying to work through it all, through you and through me. And it's time for us to remove it out of our lives. Let it take other place and even remove it completely. And let's walk before him with all of our heart. Maybe God will raise you up to be a Samuel. To be a prophet. Maybe God will raise you up to use you like you've never been used by him before. But the onus is on you and on me. In the chapter we have read from, we find that after that, there's a man there called Neval. And it means... His name simply means that he's a a foolish man. And he denies the things things of his his yielding to, to God's people. He denies David and his men food and sustenance and help. And David is on his way to slay him. And only for the intercession of, of Abigail, his wife. Sometimes we deny the Lord things. We are foolish with it. Foolish in our hearts and foolish in our minds. We're foolish because God is, as it were, like Jacob, wrestling with you. Wrestling in your heart, wrestling in your mind. Wrestles with me. Come on. Wrestling with you. God's dealing with you, speaking to you, moving in you. We fight against it. We pray for it. Move in me, Lord. And then when he does, you're going, not that way, Lord. We're told that Samuel took a stone and set it up. Here's a marker for what God has done. Think of the marker in your life where God has, has strengthened you and blessed you. God has given unto you. God has increased you. God has been with you in the hardest and the darkest of times. And then he's forgotten about. It's like we don't need you now, Lord. You can go back to where you came from and don't lay anything heavy on me. Samuel takes a stone and he calls it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Here's something I'm going to remember your help, Lord. All of these years, it's believed Samuel was about 59 years of age when when he died. But all of those years that the Philistines were outside of Israel didn't come near because of one man and his God. How we limit him. 
How we limit God for the things God can do in our lives. How we limit him for what he can do in situations. And how we limit him even when it comes to governmental issues. And the things in society. And we limit God. But God wrestles with the church as it were. With his body. His own body. Wrestling with his own blood washed. Sometimes in the meeting we get the conviction. We say, yeah, Lord, you've spoken to me. I know this is for me. I know this is toward me. I know, and it's not the preacher. It's the Lord. I know, Lord, because he's only confirming what you have been saying and doing in me. And I've been wrestling with you. And I know, Lord, yes, I'm going to put it into action. But by the time we get home, by the time we have our Sunday dinner, and we get comfortable around the fire or whatever we do, Everything's gone again. But when the priests of Israel were to put the the, the altar on the fire, under the altar, that altar which would would burn with a, a fierce heat, God says, I will light the fire. And fire comes down from heaven and lights it like fire comes down from heaven and lights your heart and your mind and my heart and mind. Puts a fire in us. But the priests of Israel had to keep it lit. Not God. The priests in Israel had to keep the fire lit. In other words, he said, now I've lit it. It's up to you to keep the fire going. It's up to you and I, brothers and sisters, when God is moving in our lives and in our hearts to keep the fire burning, to keep the fire going, or it will soon fade and die out. Hence, people fall away from God. People wonder why things aren't going right the way they used to. And sister, if you're Husband is a saved man. Maybe that's why he's become cranky, argumentative, and angry, and aggressive, because he knows in his own heart he's out of step with God. And brother, maybe that's the reason with your wife as well. Time to look and see where he helped us from. Look at our Ebenezer's. It's like the old hymn writer said, as nobody said, here I raise my Ebenezer. Hither by thy help I come. Notice here in 1 Samuel 7, Israel were safe because of Samuel, the prophet, and the judge of Israel. Now take note, he's the last one that we know of. He's the last one that we know of. And by the time we come to our reading, it says, And Samuel died. Oh no, God has left us now. We're open to all sorts of enemy attack because Samuel has died. No, 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 listen. But it says, And David arose. The death of a 
of a judge and the rising of a king. Samuel died and David arose. It's good to have godly leaders, faithful preachers, and the sit under sound, expounding, preaching, gospel, Bible-based sermons week in, week out. It's good. But someday the Samuel dies. And you should have the work done in you to rise up as the king. The David arose. See, our land was blessed with many preachers, whether you loved them or loathed them. Whether people love us, you'd say, love, we shouldn't lose anybody as Christians, but whether you love them or loathe them. Great evangelists like Sam, Sam Workman, the Reverend Sam Workman. Great evangelists. Reverend Paisley, many saved under his ministry. Many, many. This is just in recent years coming up. Of course, my own pastor, would never forget him, Pastor James McConnell. And I remember when he passed away a couple of years ago. We were at the funeral service and there was a pastor from another church there and we, his pastors went out for something to eat afterwards. This other pastor comes to me and he's crying with tears running down his face. After everything's over and we're all breaking off to go our separate ways. And he stopped me and he says, Ken, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Crying his eyes out. I says, well, what do you mean what are we going to do? He says, the pastor's gone. Who do we turn to now? Who do we ask advice of? I'll miss the phone calls and go on to sit at home and have a, a chat with them. I said, yeah, so will I. Absolutely, I still do. I says, but our hope was never in Pastor McConnell, for he always pointed us to the Savior every time. And no matter the loss, the Savior remains the same. And when all of these men seem to have been taken home from, if you want, an Ulster, there's many others, but when all of these men were taken home, Samuel has died. Great evangelists and great preachers and teachers, and some loved them, some loved them, and whatever else. But the Samuel had died. And we sat together and there's a person came related and said, you know what? Now it's up to you to take the place and to rise up to preach the word. That David must arise. And brothers and sisters, in terrible times in our lives, There's times whenever there are those in the faith even 
who may have passed on or may have let us down and disappointed us. And in that sense, they have died in that sense. But brothers and sisters, that's not where it finishes. You are the David who must arise. Arise and you and I must take the anointing of God and use it for his glory. It says in verse 15 of 1 Samuel 7, Samuel judged all Israel all the days of his life, and he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. And his return was to Ramah, for there was his house. And there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. Notice, there he judged Israel, and there he went to his house. Now, before I go any further, I want to say this. If you notice this on 1 Samuel 25 and 1, David goes to Samuel's house when Samuel had died. And Samuel's house became his grave. Became his grave. And that's where he was buried. Uh, They had a tradition that sometimes people would be buried in their living room. Under whether they had had a tile or just dirt, stone. And they were buried under the living room. By the time David goes up in 1 Samuel 25, and Samuel died and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. David now, for this split second, for this little period, David seems to have a failing heart. Heart failure. I'll tell you why. Because he would look to Samuel as the strength of Israel and the Philistines would be kept out. But now he would look also at Saul who was man's choice. Saul was the king. And under Samuel, Saul would never dare to do to David the things he would do. Saul would kill him. Saul would be jealous of him. But nevertheless, David arose and said, I have to take my place. But it seems as if a a touch of heart failure happens to him, spiritually that is. And I took a quotation from my own pastor. Listen to what he says. He that has been faithful to a few sheep may one day lead an army. We'll say it again. He that has been faithful to a few sheep may one day lead an army. And at this point, David needs to realize the place, the point, and the time he's sitting in. Samuel has died. Samuel, the prophet, the judge in Israel. Samuel, the strength and the stay. You know that figure, that great leader raised up by God? That great figure, it seems something about him that 
people seen as it were the charisma of him, but the strength of him. And people followed that because it was the Lord that was with Samuel. Now he's died, but listen, it is the Lord who remains the same. I want you to get this. David is at a crux in his life. David is at a very important part. He goes to Samuel's house and it's verified. Remember, there's no social media or telephones. It's verified. Here he is, the prophet of God, the judge in Israel. The one whom the Philistines fear. The John Knox and greater of his day. He's passed away. What are we going to do? David arises. He's the king because he has been anointed, but he doesn't realize it yet. He's at a place in his life. And listen, brother, listen, sister. You may be in a place in your walk with Christ. You may be in a place in your walk with the Lord. And you don't realize how important this very moment is. How important this very day even is. Maybe even this very message. You might be in a place in your life and you haven't fully grasped hold of the very importance of the situation you find yourself in. Because to you, Samuel has died and that's it. But rather than that being that, no. Samuel has died for you to arise and be counted for the kingdom. And you might not realize, as David at this point, he rises, goes to the wilderness to get out of the way. Well, here, hold on. I need out of here. Saul will surely kill me. You might be at a very important place and crux in your life. Brothers and sisters, will you pause for a minute? Don't run from Rama to Paran. Don't run from the prophet's house. It doesn't matter how you feel. David would feel the loss of it. But you're an important part in your life. We're here. Do I trust God and press on? Or do I arise and run away? The Paran. You see, First Samuel 10, I think I'm going to finish on this moment. I'll maybe do part two, God willing, next week um, because I'm just touching on the outskirts of this at the moment. First Samuel 10, if you will, please. And verse 1. I want you to see this. 1 Samuel 10 and verse 1. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? This is Samuel anointing Saul, the Benjaminite, not a Judaite. He was from the wrong tribe. He was to be a Judaite. This is where Christ would come from. 
Well, as a Benjaminite, he was the people's choice because when you looked at Saul, he was head and shoulders bigger, taller than everybody else, and, and people were looking on that outward appearance. But if you remember, it is the same prophet that the Lord is speaking to about David. People were looking on the outward appearance and people might look on your outward appearance whether whatever your appearance is and either say yay or nay, but that is not what counts in this. They chose wrong and they chose Saul and Saul was not a true king. The true king and his lineage was from David. And Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, it is because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance. Notice a vile. Would you say vile? Now take note of this. Saul was anointed. And God said, give the people what they want. Samuel wasn't working out of order here. He was doing exactly as God said. Because God was going to prove a point. Sometimes he has to prove a point to us. And we wonder, how did we even get here? Why did God allow this to happen? And God has proven a point to us in our lives and our hearts sometimes. So there was an anointing on Saul, but it wasn't the anointing. The true anointing that was to be fully of God. If you will, turn with me to 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, please. Let your eye run down to verse 6. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Now take note of this. This is Jesse, David's daddy, and Samuel looking to anoint one of his sons. And notice it says, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. Take note of this. God has a choice. He's God. He's sovereign. And God refuses Eliab. In fact, he, he refuses the next six who comes after him. Notice, Look not on his countenance or on the head of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass by. Before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. In other words, God's choice matters. God's will matters. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the younger, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send him, pardon me, send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. This wee stripling of a boy, the weight on him coming in from minding the sheep, he was ruddy. It means he, he was of a, a fair 
a clear white complexion with red, rosy cheeks. The blood shone in his face, as it were. We all looked at him, well, that's just a wee boy. He, he doesn't count. But equally for David, he needed to realize what was about to happen. What was about to happen. Verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil. Will you say the horn? Will you say a vial? Will you say a horn? So a little vial to a horn of oil. From a little vial and saw to a horn of oil for David. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. Notice this. When, when I don't many times have read this. I've even underlined and uh, uh, with pen to, to stand out to me. But again, it just jumped at me when I read it yesterday and during the week and this morning. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. I take note of that. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. Didn't say it about Saul. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And all of the troubles we read of David, yet, you ready? Yet, David was anointed of God. Think about this. Sometimes we feel if we're anointed of the Spirit. Now, we've all the anointing of the Spirit, for he lives in us. But if sometimes we feel that if we are anointed for the task or for a certain thing, or if we're anointed especially to do a special work for him, sometimes we feel, well, if we're anointed of God, we shouldn't have any bother and any problems. We should sail through life. No, listen, once you realize you're anointed of God to do something for God, that's when you realize there's a devil out to get you. That's when you realize your enemies will come against you. That's when you realize the Philistines will hate you from the inside. Your brothers will disagree with you. And the giant will stand before you. And you realize even at house, that is in government, Saul is out to slay you. In church, see if you stand up for God in this day and age, Saul will be out to slay you. But praise the Lord with the Holy Ghost. We're anointed of the Lord. And he'll be with you every day. Being anointed doesn't mean that you have no bother, no problems or hurts or heartaches. It means you're aware that you're called for this age. You're called for this time. You're called for this purpose. Now, after a lot of things David goes through, in 1 Samuel 25 and verse 1, Samuel dies and David takes a bit of a wobbly. Oh. You know, I used to go... Visit past McConnell and sit in his house. If I had things I need to run by him, he's year to, he had years ahead of me in the spiritual matters, years ahead of me in, in church building matters, years ahead of me in all sorts of matters, uh, and even in life matters. And he used to sit and pick his brain, and he used to pray with me, he used to talk with me about these things. We sat for hours about it and talked about it. When we're starting up even the work here, he had phoned me wondering what was happening with me. Every single day for months he phoned me, how are you, son? I'm okay. He's calling the bishop. I'm all right, bishop. 
but how are you? I says, I'm all right. How are you in yourself? I'm okay. I'm doing rightly. I know you can be discouraged, but keep going on with God. I know things are tough for you, but he's with you all the way. I know sometimes it looks like it's going to overwhelm you, but you have to remember, God has called you for this purpose. God has called you for this time. Son, keep going on. Keep looking. Get somewhere for your sheep and pen them. That's what he used to say to me. Pen the sheep, son. Don't let them run over all the hills. They'll get lost and placed in danger. Pen your sheep. God has placed you over them. Every day. For months. But when he died, I hadn't got that in the spiritual sense. And your heart can fail. Like Samuel had died, but that's when I realized... Okay, Lord, it's time to step up. Church, say this with, you know I love you. You know, you know that I love you. It's time to step up, to step into the anointing, into the call of God in your life. We're not anointed with the outward appearance of a horn of oil even. We're anointed from the inside with the Holy Spirit. Here's what John says, and I'll close with this. The anointing that ye have received of him abideth in you. It's time, as it were, to get into the place of prayer for the closeness of God for that burning oil to set the fire going like a lamp in you. Set everything aside. Forget about it. David says, I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. If it means I don't even, if it means I have to miss a meal to be out and do something for God, if it means that I have to put something away, give something up, hand something over, yield myself completely, I'm not telling you to go and, and join a monastery and wear a hurry shirt and flagellate yourself until you bleed. No, I'm talking about putting things out of the way until you and God are one of the Spirit again. Till He moves in your heart. And you'll see things happen. And you'll see things change. Within you, you'll feel things differently. Your vision will change. Don't look, he says, on the outward appearance. Listen, if I looked on the outward appearance every day, I'd run for the hills. If I looked at the outward appearance of what uh, the tasks were ahead, I'd bury, a ho- bury myself, uh, I'd dig a hole in the ground and throw myself into it. If I looked every day with the outward appearance and what things seemed to me to look at, to look like, if I'd done that and took it on every day and took it in every day, brothers and sisters, I'll tell you, I wouldn't be here. Get the eyes of the Spirit on the things that are happening outside, the things that are happening inside. And look at the glory of God in your life. i got to stop there. There's so much more. Maybe I'll do an hour part next week. I don't know. I've so much material. I just started writing during the week. I thought, I'll write some of this down. 
because I forget it if I don't. And I jotted it down. And then it hurt my hand and I couldn't hold a pen to yesterday. So I wrote tonight's yesterday afternoon. wasn't able to hold the pen. Who wants God to use them? Be honest. So do I. There's no age limit or gender limit, you know, in God using you. Talking about male, female, and I will say gender limit. Make sure I always want to make that clear. Then who believes he's able? Aye. Well, here's the thing. Ready? Now you're going to be tested. Then who's going to start putting things out of the road that's in his road and seek them with all their heart? This is where the victory is. Listen. Thank the Lord for everyone that went out with us and was able to do leaflets. Approximately 10,000 homes were reached with 100 posters up, as it were, around the area. So thank the Lord for his, and I mean that with all my heart. Thank you, thank you for your help. Even if you've done an hour, it doesn't matter. If you've done a few houses, it doesn't matter. Thank you, everyone. But listen, and, and, and that's good to show that. We have it on social media, and we've done wee videos on it, inviting people, and that's all great. But see if God doesn't anoint us. Come to nothing. So if God's spoken to you this morning, get it out of your life. Stop wrestling with him and yield to his spirit, his leading. Get it out of your life. And put him first. You know, first is a, a bad word sometimes in heaven. And among God's people. I'll preach on it sometime. Put him first. You see the change. Put him first. Time's slow. Ting, please.